out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone, did I speak with my friend Charles? I've always liked Charles and enjoyed his openness and frankness around his spirituality. When I met his wife, I realized he is more to this man than what he allows others to see. My intrigue deepened when I saw him with his eldest son. Then I saw a side of Charles which I wanted to know more about. I found him soft, gentle, patient and incredibly unconditional. But the final nail in my intrigue coffin was when Charles presented at the recovery festival last year. Here was this soft-spoken and gentle man, always with a shy giggle, confidently sharing his knowledge. It was then that I just knew he had to come and talk to us. This time I figured out how to do the sound. The only problem was that I forgot to switch my microphone on. <laughs> the internet connection was quite bad, so I again apologize for the quality. This podcast is supported by the first layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There is also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life Anon, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me directly or on any of my social media platforms. This is Charles' story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Good evening, Charles. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. And you? I'm well. Thank you very much. It is so awesome to see you on my computer screen. I haven't seen you for a while. The last time was the Recovery Festival. Yeah, that's when, right. Yeah, yeah. And, thank, and that was cool. Thank you. I really enjoyed that. When you gave an amazing talk. Oh, thank good. you. So, Charles, tell me, you are sitting in Tukai at the moment, or somewhere around there, Musenberg. Uh, lakeside, just just before Musenberg, between Tukai and Musenberg, yeah. So we are completely on the opposite sides of the bay, as you want to call it, and hopefully yeah. we have solved the sound problems. So thank yes. you very much. I will give you I will give you an extra gift. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you were the one to help me solve this solve the, the sound problem. So you're not Tetonian, are you? Uh, no, no, I'm originally from Joburg. Born and bred in Johannesburg. Born in Joburg, uh, in the, the Joburg Gen, that big hospital. But um, okay. I mean, the first first couple of years of my life were actually in the Free State, um, up until I don't know how old, maybe two or three. My dad worked on the mines, and um, so we were at uh, Harmony Gold Mine in the Free State, a little town called Virginia. Oh, and then from there, yeah, do you know it? <laughs> I know of it. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, we moved, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't remember much about that, but moved from there up to Joburg, and uh, my dad got a job uh, at a place called Durban Deep Mine, which was just on the outskirts of, of Joburg, uh, next to a little town called called Rudaput. Um, yes. Or little, little, you know Rudaput? I know. I grew up in Triumph. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember you did, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you know Joburg. Not too far apart, indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was actually quite a nice place to grow up. Um, yeah, I mean, beautiful, you know, mine, mining towns are quite nice because, like I said, it was on the outskirts. It was, it was its own little mining town. Um, and, you know, my dad was one of the managers, so we had a nice big house with a pool and big rolling lawns and, you know, 
was actually oh, really nice. cool. Yeah. And did, did you grow up religiously? Um, yeah, so I'd say it's a it's a it's a tough question. I think I grew up. My mom my mom was what they'd call a committed Christian, and uh, okay. and my dad uh, was um, anything but. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I've shared my dad's story. You know, he's definitely an addict. Um, yeah, just gambling, gambling, sex, and uh, um, what's the other one? Uh, alcohol. I think my, my dad, I think supposedly believed in God, but I mean, I wouldn't know. Or oh, you wouldn't say it by his lifestyle. And then my mom, obviously, you know, she, she was definitely a, a Christian and I think she, she still is a Christian. Okay. Um, but yeah, we grew up going to Sunday school and, uh, you know, from a young age, I believed in Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God okay. as, as per the normal sort of Christian, um, you know, so-called, oh, what would you call it? normal Christian family, if you want to put it that way. I wouldn't say normal family because we weren't a normal family anyway. <laughs> what is a normal family? That's <laughs> I, a good question. I, I heard today somebody saying as well that, what was it, you wanted yourself to grow up with in a normal family where there wasn't a divorce? And I thought, well, I think these days divorce is more normal than, than people staying together. So, <laughs> So what is normal, you know? <laughs> so what type of church did you think? Well, so when I was very young, there was a, a Baptist, there was a lady from the Baptist church and her father, who was quite an old guy. In fact, I think he was 14 or old or two, that's how old he was. And they used to come around on the mine with a, with a combi and uh, just pick up any kids who wanted to go to Sunday school. And then we'd okay. go to what was called the, the rec center, the recreation center, which was basically just a big hall. And then we'd have Sunday school there, you know, sing songs and learn about okay. sort of Bible stories. And I um, mean, those are very fond memories. Um, I went because they gave me sweets, <laughs> fed into my into my other addiction. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I think I think what was cool is that they were definitely just loving people, you know. And I think that was my first sort of bar my mom. That was my my next sort of um, taste of the church. And and you know, when you're a kid, I mean, you know, you know I don't know if you, you see a lot, but I mean, really, they were just genuinely caring, loving people. Yeah. Uh, so that was it was a good experience, you know. You remind me of something of my childhood that I actually haven't thought about for a while. Is I I grew up in the the Enkirkat, the Dutch Reformed Church, mm. and so it was church and Sunday school on a Sunday. But then on a Wednesday, we we went to a lady about four houses away from us who did a what we call the kinnekrans. Um, oh yeah, and she told Bible stories with little pictures that she put up on a board and she handed out speech and we, and we sang songs where we did movements and all those type of things. And I really, really, really enjoyed that. And then compare that to sitting in a Sunday school in Afrikaans church where there's a teacher in front and she's with a finger pointing and everything. And then on Wednesday, just this, this joyful experience and this lovely yeah. Bible story. So it sounds like you, you, you had that joyful experience. I remember the speech as well. If you if you brought a what you call the fish, a new a new child, then you got the sweet. And if you answered the question, you got a sweet. And <laughs> yeah, so, so it was a, a huge battle for for the bag of sweets around. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's yeah, that a really fun memory. And growing in Johannesburg, invariably in summer, while we were having the kinetrons, it was pressing down with rain that late afternoon, the high felt rain. And when you walked home, we were playing the, in the streams, running down the road. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm, yeah. 
So what I can gather is that um, this this the the religion in resonated with you. Oh yeah, definitely. So I am, um, you know, growing up as a as a teenager, church was always my safe place. Um, home wasn't safe because um, you know because my dad wasn't often around, and when he was, he was quite angry. And um, I think um, yeah, I mean, my mom, my mom always used to say, "Oh, your dad loves you," you know, and uh, and uh, you know, eventually you get to a point and you go, "Yeah, but why is he not around, or why does he?" treat us badly kind of thing, you know. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, when I was about 13 or so, um, well, a few things happened. So one, regarding church, um, I uh, I was, my mom said we've got, to, we've got to go to confirmation now, and my mom was a Methodist, so we had to go to the big church, the Methodist church. Okay. Um, or tw- I was 12, I can't remember, but I was still in primary school. And um, so we ended up going to to the big church that my mom used to go to on a Sunday morning. Um uh, when she wasn't working night shift, and um, and then yeah, and also also my dad sort of uh, you know my mom found out my dad was having an affair, so yeah. Um, yeah yeah so I think um, you know if I look at I mean uh, you know just regarding spirituality for me um, uh, spirituality was very simple it was, it was about God Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit you know the typical Christian sort of thing you go up you know going to church um it was a song that that we used to sing you know read your bible pray every day and you'll grow 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 um you know and uh, i remember that one (laughs) yeah yeah so um uh yeah and uh yeah uh, and I wasn't too keen on, on that Sunday school because they, they gave you homework, you know, so you had to go and learn oh, memory oh. verses and that. And I didn't like reading, so that sucked, you know. I was oh, like, shit. and it was like a points based system, you know, so like the good kids okay. were the ones who did could remember that stuff. And I'd, I'd had a head injury as a kid, so I mean, I couldn't remember a lot of stuff because I. Uh, oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, place yeah, where they few, gave you the place where they gave you homework. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, come on, man. I didn't. Yeah. a good swap at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I mean, the, the good thing was that at that time they'd uh, they just employed a youth pastor, and uh, and I remember this guy sitting there, and he, um, I looked at him, and he was quite a tall guy, and he had a ponytail and an earring, you know, and I, I came from a mining town, you know, quite sort of right wing, if you want to put it that way, and I was like, oh, you know, what a what a what's this guy trying to prove with a with an earring and a, and a ponytail, you know? Plus his pants were too short for him, so they were like when he sat down, they came like halfway up his chin, you know, and. Uh, and I just remember looking at this guy thinking, what an idiot. And then, um, and then, yeah, he took over from, um, you know, the guys that were running youth. And there was sort of a whole, um, and that, that was the stage when I was, I was probably in standard five, sort of 12, 13 and going into high school. And, uh, and going into high school, then uh, I went to big youth, you know, which was teenage youth. And, um, oh. and I remember the first year, um, you know, the, the, the people that ran it were the, the old pastors, um, uh, the older past, they were his sons, you know, and they were quite old school. And, and the one guy wanted to, um, uh, he was big on initiation and he wanted to initiate oh, people. And oh, I remember oh, this this guy, yeah, this guy arguing, saying, we don't initiate people. Everyone can come to the house of God. Everyone comes, you know, there's no there's no hierarchy, you know. And I, and I remember them sort of arguing. And this guy, I could see, was getting quite, um, quite angry, you know, and obviously because it had happened to him. Yeah. And uh, and it was quite interesting because um, I just remember then thinking, you know, agreeing with this sort of pastor. And you remember that pastor's surname? Oh yeah, definitely. So his name was uh, Robin Behrens, um, okay. and I still I still speak to him today. Um, oh, he's really? probably one of my 
yeah, he's one of my closest friends. So, so he's the reason I actually became a Christian between him and my mom. Um, he, he actually, so he, he took a shine to me and we got to know each other and I really just got to like this guy. He was just a very caring, compassionate kind of guy, you know, yeah. and, um, he used to fly remote control planes and I was quite a technical guy. So I enjoyed that. And he said to me, do I want to come flying? Because there was a flying um, field at the mine where we lived. So he would come that way anyway. So I said, yeah, sure. And he got to know my mom and we went off flying and, um, you know, we were sort of, I was watching him fly, but it was, you could see it was a bit boring for me because I wasn't doing anything, you know, and he obviously didn't want to let me fly because I'd probably smash it. Um, <laughs> so so um, uh, as we were talking, uh, I don't know, somehow he sort of struck up conversation and and he um, uh, kind of somehow realized, you know, I had this sort of fascination with fire and with bombs and explosives. And so he said to me, well, why don't you make a little bomb that I can drop from my plane, you know? Then he'll make a bomb dropper. So I said, cool, I'll do that. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I made a match bomb, you know, something we used to, used to make at school. And, um, and then he sort of, you know, uh, clipped it onto his plane and it would fly and put a target down and drop it, you know, and as they hit the floor, they make a nice big bang. Um, but it was very, very, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was very good for me. Because, for you as a child. Oh, yeah, it was great um, because it was something that I did, but in secret. And he was able to sort of bring it out in the open and make it, um, uh, make it okay. So, so that was something that I realized sort of looking back, which was really helpful for me. You know, in the Methodist Church, you, you've got to go through confirmation when you turn 16. Yeah, he, he made a, had a big impact on my life. Yeah, so like I was saying, one of the reasons my mom wanted us to go to the, the, um, the Methodist Church was because... Um, we had to, you know, you got confirmed in the Methodist Church, and um, uh, you had to go to confirmation. So, so between I think standard six or standard five, six, uh, seven, he he was at the church, but he left in standard eight. So just before I got confirmed. Oh no! In those three years, uh, I think he just had a big impact on my life. Awesome! And did you get yeah. confirmed eventually? Yeah, I did. So, so then a, a, um, a new pastor came along and he was someone that um, was already in the church and um, had just been, as they call it, ordained. Um, but this guy had serious anger issues. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, it was terrible. So um, yeah, I mean, I was... I was not the right person for, um, I think, for a youth pastor, but he ended up taking this guy's place, and he was completely opposite to this other guy that, that was there. And, yeah, I didn't think he was very good for the church. You know, looking back, I mean, he, he shouldn't have been in that position. He was he was not a not a good guy for young people, you know. He was just, he was just angry. I mean, you know. How old was he about? He must have late 20s, early 30s, you know. Okay. Okay, so he was still relatively young. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and I think okay. that's just sort of the the problem, you know, with with Christian. They let anyone in. <laughs> okay. Listen, and then after school, you went to varsity. Uh, yeah. So so basically, I um I I got a my mom's boyfriend at the time. Uh, so so my parents got divorced when I was in standard seven. Uh, okay. Um, Fifteen around there. And um, we moved from the mine to Tudor to put itself. My mom and my sister, my sister just started working, so they bought a house. And then, um, uh, yeah, so my mom's boyfriend at the time, he he got, uh, and when I was in matric, um, he got me a sort of vacation work at a company 
Yes, it got me a holiday work, and it was a lot of fun, and I got to work outside. I didn't have to read anything, and it was really cool. I was blasting working with explosives, you know, which is what I really enjoyed. <laughs> uh, anyway, long story short, um, so I got this vacation work, and then, you know, before I matriculated, they basically took me for an interview, and the one manager sort of um, interviewed me and said, why don't you, um, you know, if you're happy to come work for us, you know, you work a year first, and then we can pay for your studies. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, I worked a year. Yeah, yeah, I worked a year in Lesotho, and um, that was probably one of the best things for me. I just, you know, didn't have to study anything. You know, I got to got got a company bucky. I got like 500 bucks a month, and got to play with explosives. You know, it was really fun. <laughs> dream, dream come true for you. Charles, how old are you? Uh, I'm now 40. I turned 40 last year. Oh my God, you're still young. So, so this was after um, conscription, everything. So there was no sword of the army hanging over your head or anything like that. You could do whatever the fuck you wanted. So now you're working. And are you still attending church? Uh, yeah, so, so I mean, I basically had worked uh, in construction on those days, you know, because it was close to home. I worked, you know, you're away for a month, so worked uh, for a month on site, and then you come home sort of on a pay weekend, which was like, um, so yeah. So I didn't, I didn't go to church in that time uh yeah so just working in lesotho and and so i wasn't attending church there um yes. and i mean it, it never really occurred to me to do that um funny enough but yeah i uh i would go home and then i'd, I'd you know i used to sing in the worship band at church and um and i used oh, wow. to love going home and just yeah i used to love going home and and seeing all the um all my friends from church and all my friends from school you know and uh yeah so that was a lot of fun and I think uh, for me, the big thing was just um, as much as I was a Christian, I was just very lonely, you know, and, and oh. uh, uh, the lifestyle of being away from home is quite, it's quite isolating, that, that type of work. Yeah, um, and you were and young. You were like in what now, 21, 22? Uh, no, I was 18. Oh, wow. Uh, so, Good so being that isolated at that young age, that was a bit, must, couldn't that be easy? Uh, it actually was fine. It was it was just a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I, I just okay. really enjoyed it. You know, I was, I was learning new stuff. I was outside. You know, I didn't have to. Like I said, I didn't have to worry. And I think uh, I think for me, what I what I enjoyed about shit. blowing up shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what I got to do. It was fun. You know, that's that was my ultimate desire. You know, um, and uh, and I think the nice thing was just that. Um, there were people that believed in me, and I didn't have to have this false pretense of being this good boy, you know. Uh, I, um, yeah, I could I could swear and shout and scream and be a pig, and and you know, people um, yeah. they didn't they didn't care, you know. It's completely acceptable. It was expected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it was expected. You're young, and you you know you sort of a student, and you're there to have fun, you know. So yeah. that was pretty cool, you know. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. and then um, why did I get? Why did I think you 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 studied at some stage? Yeah, you know, so after that year, um, so the idea was that I worked a year and then I'd go to study. Um, okay. So I remember, I remember the guy that was the country manager for Lesotho. He was this big Afrikaans guy uh, named Corbus, and and he had a lisp, and he <laughs> quite liked me. Um, and he he said to me towards the end of the year, you know, if if I want, I can go and study. Or I could stay and work in Lesotho for him, and he would um, he would pay me like up my salary to five thousand rand, you know, or six thousand rand, you know. And I was like, wow, you know, that's amazing. 
and um, yeah, yeah. And my boss, uh, my immediate boss, he reported into him. I uh, was this big Afrikaans hunerboer, uh, chicken farmer, and um, he, uh, yeah, he, he was, uh, yeah, seriously another another guy with anger issues. Except he was an, uh, a bit bit of a nicer guy, but he um, he told me no, I will go and study, and I must get a qualification, otherwise he'll blix on me. <laughs> okay, and, yeah. and and being the peace loving, the peace loving yeah, person yes, you yes. are. You yes. decided to not get blocked, so you went study. Yeah. Now, also, he was he was really big <laughs> and scary. Um, <laughs> You're small though, but anyway. <laughs> true, true. But uh, yeah, he. Um, but anyway, he, he was actually a very nice guy, and uh, I mean, I still I don't speak to him often, but I mean, I do keep in touch with him, you know. And he's actually okay. a, uh, he's, a, he's I said I, I don't speak to him often, but I still do keep in touch with him. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so, so then you went study. Yeah, so then I went to study for um, for three years, I think, um, and uh, I studied civil engineering. I went to Pretoria Technicon. Um, oh. You know, at that, yeah, I stayed in Pretoria, and and at that time, I mean, it was really it was a fun time. But um, you know, I, I didn't realize, um, you know, only sort of later on in life did I realize I was quite an anxious person. Okay, yeah. And, you know, I wasn't very good at yeah, I wasn't good at studying. So you know, I had this bursary, and if I failed, I'd have to pay back what I failed. And uh, unfortunately, my, my company had paid up a year for me to go to res, um, to stay in res uh, on, on campus. Yeah. And um, oh, it was, it was uh, you know, I, I, like, I mean, I never really believed in initiation and I never went to the army. So I got to this place and I now had independence for a year. And then these, these uh, for lack of a better word, jackasses, um, yeah. you know, um, Saw me now as the first year. I was a jar, you know, yes, the jar. And um, yeah, and I had to run up and down and do all these things, and and I didn't take well to that. So you know, I just eventually I said to these guys, man, I'm not doing this, man. I didn't pay for this. Give me my money back. I'll go stay somewhere else. Uh, but obviously they didn't okay. have the power to give me my money back. Uh, anyway, and um, I think there was a, another sort of time where, so obviously being a good Christian boy, I joined the Bible study. And, wow. um, and be, because growing up, church was my safe place, um, you know, I went to Bible study. But one of the rules as a first year is that you weren't allowed to sit on a chair uh, with a cushion on. So that meant you either had to sit on the floor or take the cushion off. I went there and I sat on, um, uh, I sat on a, a chair with a cushion. And one of the guys who was leading the Bible study said, you know, what are you doing? And I said, I'm coming to Bible study. And he said, yeah, but you're sitting on a cushion. Aren't you a first year? And I said, yes, I'm a first year. I said, do the rules apply in God's house? <laughs> and um, he said to me, do the rules apply everywhere in the rest? I said, well, if Jesus was the first year, would you make him sit on the floor? Anyway, and uh, I took the cushion off and I sat there. And then I um, I decided after that I wouldn't go back. And then every every week they sent my friend to come and get me to come back. Because, uh, yeah, obviously they, they wanted me back. Uh, well, I don't know, probably because there were like five people at the Bible study. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where my my sort of, um, uh, for lack of a better word, disdain for the church, because I love the church. Uh, you know, yeah. I do, I really do. The church was a safe place, and I met some wonderful people there. But at the same time, it can, same time it can be a terrible place, you know. And, and I think yeah. that's where it sort of started, you know, seeing people that were, 
we're just not loving, you know, and, and we're, let's just say, religious rather than, than, than spiritual, you. if you want to put it that way. I hear you. So, so that's, if I, if I hear you correctly, from then you, you, you did not feel comfortable with organized religion anymore. Uh, not really, no. I mean, I, I still love my church that I that I grew up in, and okay, um, yeah. I mean, my my days at Tech. I mean, after that, I um I left. Um, so I did my first year in Res, and then I spoke to my company and said, look, I, I don't want to go back there. I found a place called the Student Village just down the road. A lot of students stayed there, and um and I decided to stay there. A good good mate of mine um stayed there as well, and yeah. So so when I was there, I, I you know I still. You know, I enjoyed, I think, the fellowship of being in a in a in a Christian church, a place that, okay. that people, you know, because I, I genuinely made a commitment to God, and and you know that commitment was real, and still is yeah. to this day. But um, you know, when I was there, I had two friends that that were there as well, and they um uh, we stayed. So one of us we shared we shared a we shared a, like a flat, and then the other one he stayed next to us, and and they both had yeah. cars. So I said to the guys, you know, I really want to find a Bible study or something because I'd go home on weekends and I'd stay there during the week. Yeah. And um, um, so my friend, uh, this uh, big Afrikaans guy from the Free State named Rassi, he, um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he said, no, lacquer, you know, because he grew up in a church and, you know, you must go to church or you must, you know, read your Bible. And yeah. so he said, no, he'll, he'll drive. I must just find the place and he'll take me. So. We went oh, to cool. a few different Bibles. Yeah, we, we went to a few different Bible studies. But, you know, being, um, uh, not to be rude, but being Afrikaans, you know, a lot of them were very sort of Inkhir type Bible studies. Mm. And yeah. um, and they weren't lacquer. And, and, and my friend, um, he said to me eventually, he said, Charles, man, he said, these people, and he was quite a straightforward guy. He said, you know, they're full of cuck, man. He said, <laughs> they, they, just, they just turned their nose up at us when we arrived because we're not like them. Yeah. Um, and he said to me, you know, you know the Bible. Why don't you just start a Bible study? I'll come and so will Keith. So I said, okay, like, and I thought about it. I prayed about it. Yeah, and, 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 and so I did. I started with these two guys, and I started a Bible study at Technicon. And, yeah, to, towards the end when I left, I mean, we were meeting in, our, in my little room, and then we ended up moving to um, – there was like a little uh, hall place you could meet because we sort of outgrew my room. Um, oh, and um yeah, yeah, it was it was great. Um, it was, you know, and for me, it was just it was really about sharing God's love, you know, and, and what God had done in my life. And um, yeah, it was very cool. You know, I quite, yeah, it was it was very cool. I, I quite enjoyed that, you know. Cool. So when when and how did you arrive in Cape Town? Because that's where I got to know you. You were you were relatively fresh in Cape Town when I got to know you, weren't you? Or were you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I think, I mean, I can't remember exactly when we met, but I mean, I've been here now since 2012, so this will be my eighth year. And okay. um, I mean, yeah. So basically, I um, uh, so I left the sort of mining and construction industry um, just because I got tired of travel, and then um, I ended up um, uh, in recruitment. So I just looked for any job where I could do. Where I could stay in one place and and uh, recruitment they'll take anyone and um, I um yeah so I ended up staying back in Joburg and then um I got married to my first wife um and okay. I mean when I was there yeah I got involved in a church and you know uh, led a youth group and all those kind of things and uh, by that time I'd already had a couple of sort of run-ins and and sort of dis um what's the word uh, I was a bit disillusioned with the church. 
um, um, with a church just because, you know, I think, you know, as you get to know people and as you grow older, you know, you see the good, the bad and the ugly. And, uh, you know, my, my, my picture of, yeah, my picture of church was perfection. Um, because oh, okay. that's what I'd sort of grown up knowing, you know, is that you've got to strive for perfection, you know. And, yeah. uh, and, and with my uh, sort of all or nothing brain, it was perfection or nothing. But unfortunately, okay. that didn't that didn't live up to my own life and my own sort of worldview because things are not perfect, you know. And yeah. uh, and I had this little secret that I couldn't um, that I couldn't tell anyone and, and I couldn't get rid of. Okay. So, you know, it yeah. was it was this double life again that I couldn't live. And also just praying, mm. you know, desperately, God help me get rid of this thing, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. So so um. I. I got married, uh, and then you know I ended up getting divorced. Um, uh, unfortunately, um, my ex-wife had an affair, but the unfortunate part wasn't that she had an affair. Um, the unfortunate part was because she had the affair, I could take the high road, and um, ah. it was kind of yeah, it was kind of difficult because I still had this sort of problem with pornography, and I, I couldn't get rid yeah. of it. And yeah. Um, yeah. So that's when you arrived in Cape Town. It was soon after the divorce, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, so basically, um, I I went to a therapist and uh, um, for my because I was getting divorced. And then, long story short, long not long after that, I got this opportunity with the company I was with to come down here. Awesome. And um, yeah, and and I came down here, and I think that's when, you know, getting divorced and um, and um, getting into recovery. Is, is where I sort of had a major shift in my in my thinking of um, Christianity and of uh, church and how how okay. we how we live that out. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then you you met another wonderful lady. So I actually met her just before I came down to to Cape Town. Oh, um, so so yeah. she from up here. Uh, no, she's actually from here, but she she was okay. working up there. But like every Cape Townian, she wanted to come back here. Good and, for um, her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we met we met up there just before I came down. We started to get to know each other. Um, I wouldn't really say we had a relationship because she stayed away because she knew I was recently divorced. Okay. Um, but like I said, literally in the last few weeks, we started to sort of you know, see each other because my divorce had gone through and I'd been divorced <laughs> for a couple of months. And um, Just to add some bitterness to the whole situation, let's start at Love Affair before I move down to Cape Town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> um, makes you wonder what God's will for you is, hey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Um, well, so so I think it was very good for me because, um, you know, because as I say, once, once, put, once bitten, twice shy. You know, I was quite, I didn't really want to get into a relationship, but, you know, I met this girl, she was lovely, and I, um, and so we had a long distance relationship for basically six months, and she planned anyway to come back to Cape Town, but she was planning in like a year's time, and and then, yeah, she obviously just moved her plans to come down, and I think the good thing was that I had this six months where I was sort of fully in recovery, and, uh, you know, very much away from my family of origin and away from yeah. ugh, just all the mess of my life that, that had yeah. sort of happened in Joburg. And so it was kind of like a new beginning, you know. Yes. I, I always giggle when, when, when people say you 
one runs away from your problems. I arrived mm. in Cape Town because I ran away from a broke relationship. And it's the best thing I've ever done for myself. So, so I, I, I often say to people, you know, running away isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if, you, if you're feeling you need to pack your bags and run, run. You know, I'll support you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, <laughs> there's, I definitely, there's very often some really good things come from it. So go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, looking at, you know, talking about God's will, I mean, looking back, I think what was great was um, because I'd come to Cape Town, you know, I'd left my family of origin and, and the sort of, toxic relationships because I don't think that my, I wouldn't say they were toxic, but you know, my family, you know, they had their issues. And I think, um, you know, I wouldn't have been able to change um, the way I did because I just started new, you know, and, and so it was a clean slate on all sort of, on all fronts. And that was really wonderful. I feel exactly the same about my, my recovery as well is I came into recovery and about two months clean and my husband asked for a divorce. And um, sure. as awful as awful as that was, it was such a good thing in retrospect because I yeah. I, I I got to work on my stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah. I'm very looking back. I'm very very grateful for that. It's definitely the best thing that ever happened to me. So, yes, um, definitely. Yeah. And and your your wife is a child therapist. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, she's a play. Th- well, she's actually a social worker. Um, okay. But she um yeah she she studied her. I think it's a master's in, in play therapy. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and, and so she runs a practice where she does therapy um, a lot with kids, but then she also does adults as well. And, I mean, I'm sure you know with therapy, it's, you know, you do the kids and then obviously you've got to help the parents because the problem is normally bigger than uh, just the kids. The, the, problem, the problem is the system invariably. So, so, yeah, so we exactly. need the system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Charles, you are now a father of two. Is it two, yeah, correct. two boys? Two, two boys, or is it a boy and a girl? Uh, it's two boys. Um, so oh, two my boys. oldest one is yeah, yeah. My oldest one is four and a half, and um, my um, uh, my youngest is eighteen months. Oh my word! Yeah, yeah. And how and how is fatherhood working out for you? Um, also quite interesting because. That you ask the question, because I mean, fatherhood is, you know, for me is related, um, what's quite intertwined with my faith, because obviously, you know, the Bible talks about God as a father, and that's how you grow up in, in Christianity, you know, and uh, God forbid you ever tell a Christian that God could be a mother too, because that'll just ruin their day. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to do that every now and then. <laughs> what, what do you mean to say? They, yeah, they, they, they lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I shouldn't say they. I'd say our lives because I'm, I'm still a Christian. I don't want to, I don't want to make as if I'm not a Christian anymore. But anyway, but yeah. So, so, um, becoming a father, I was quite terrified because of my dad, and and I was just worried that you know I'd be like my dad, and um, yeah. And that was quite quite a big thing for me. I didn't realize how big it was until we were about to have our kid. Um, okay. And um, and then recently, um, you know, going through some tough times financially, running my own business and things like that, um, you know, sort of questioning God as a father because, you know, this is kind of foreign to me. Uh, God yeah. is a loving father who cares for me and, and doesn't want to let me suffer, supposedly. Um and, uh, and then looking at my situation and going, but God, why won't you fix this then? You know, even though it's my problem and I made it. But, um, you know, that's sort of always been a challenge for me. And I think 
the best advice someone gave me was a, a good friend of mine who's also a pastor. Um, and he just said to me, you know, um, when, when I was worried about becoming a father, he said, well, what's the one thing you can do that your dad didn't do? You know, that would just make, would have made a difference. And I thought about it and I said, well, just show up. So he said, well, if you just show up, it doesn't matter how terrible you are as a father. You're already like a hundred times better than your dad, you know. Uh, and so cool. um, Yeah, and that put me at ease, you know. I was just, uh, because I think my biggest thing, I was so worried about stuffing up my kids, you know. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and, and now having kids, I mean, I mean, I'm very aware of sort of mistakes I make. A lot of parents, if you chat to them, most of them, once they are parents, to realize how sort of unprepared they are to be parents. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think that's part of how God designed it, is we, we all, you know, you kind of very quickly realize your inadequacies. But I think through yeah. that, we, um, you know, we sort of, we go forward and, and we learn as we go, you know. And I think the nice thing about kids is that they are... Um, they're extremely forgiving, and they're, um, you, you know, they're, yeah, they're wonderful, you know. And unfortunately, whatever your shortcomings are, they're either amplified by them or the opposite is amplified <laughs> by them. So, you know, you can very quickly go, and I often laugh when, when I look at my kid and I go, I wonder why he's doing that, you know. And then I think of myself, or, you know, uh, I'm, huh? I'm sure you often hear, or you've heard sort of couples say, you know, oh, he's definitely your child, you know. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so because you can see it, you know, you can see the how they yeah. copy us. So, yeah, but it's 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 quite an amazing um, thing to be a parent, I must say. Well, one thing I can say is that I saw you with your with your oldest boy once, but and that was a beautiful thing to see. You were very, you wasn't well that day, and you were so patient and so caring. It was absolutely wonderful. And the second thing is that whenever you speak about your children, your face just lights up like a star so <laughs> so so I, I i don't know but my gut feeling is that you're doing something very very right so i think you can relax you. just 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 relax into it and it's also it, let's wrap this chat up with the last thing is so where do you stand today in terms of of, of, of spirituality um I'm, I'm i'm definitely hearing um christianity but is there is there an, an organized element in it do you do you think church and those type of things uh yeah so so i do um i do still attend church um i attend uh, um an anglican church up the road here um oh. and i think um yeah i think for me you know the biggest thing or the hardest thing about church is that um you know because i go to a 12-step meeting and i'm in recovery you know i often say that what i get from those meetings is is more like church than what I get from church, okay. and you know, if I can say, I think the biggest, the biggest reason I think that is, is because there's a level of honesty that you get in recovery that you don't get anywhere else. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there aren't churches that exist like that, but I think it's one of the areas that the church really struggles with is this fact that as a Christian, they all say we're, we all say we're sinners, you know, blah blah blah. But yeah. part of the problem is that we so often um, instead of agreeing that we're all sinners you know there's almost a, a level of sin that's acceptable and there's a level that's not mm. acceptable yeah uh, and therefore you know if your sin is something that's not acceptable in sort of general christian society yeah. then what is promoted is this culture of secrecy and rather than honesty and you know sort of realness what's promoted is um uh, this veneer of of 
Christianese, if I can put it that way, you know, where yeah. it's like we are we are these perfect people that have that have no sin, and you know the the, the sins that we have are are the sort of um, you know I can only think of probably one of my my favorite shows growing up, Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. I don't know if you ever watched that. <laughs> you know, Ned yeah. Flanders is this guy that. Um, you know, he's just like, you know, he, everything he does, he, he steps on an ant and he asks God for forgiveness, you know. And um, it's it's obviously not that pronounced, but but there's this this um, this culture of, of secrecy, you know, of uh, yeah. just keep up appearances. But what happens behind closed doors um, stays behind closed doors, you know. And then everyone is shocked when you hear these stories about about pastors ending up having affairs or or doing drugs or becoming yeah. child molesters or whatever because no one can be honest, you know. And, uh, and I think I think that's part of my um, my biggest problem with the church, you know. And 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 but I'm also not one of those people to to point fingers and not do anything. So, you know, I've chatted to a lot of guys in recovery and said, well, how do we change that, you know? And funny uh-huh. enough, I mean, the, the, the guy who who led me to the Lord, that youth pastor that I told you about, um, yeah. we still ch- we still chat quite regularly. And, um, and you know, when I say these things to him, he, he often says, you're so right. And, you know, he's he's referred people to me in his congregation saying, you know, I think this person might be an addict, you know. Um, how about you? Could you yeah, yeah, and he he actually wanted to get a group started in his in his little town where he was, um, but but the people that he was counselling and none of them were they were all too ashamed um, to go to um, a group. And he yeah. says the joke is that that they're all in the same church, they all have the same problem, <laughs> but yeah. No one, yeah, but no one is willing to admit and go, oh wait a second, you know, actually we've all got the same problem, and yeah. you know how do we, you know, and that's the thing if they could come together and if the church can come together and say hey um, guys there is a solution you know and i i personally believe that mm. the 12 the 12 step program is pretty much what we call the gospel message you know yeah um and, I, and some of my friends will argue with me there um you know i've got some i wouldn't call them right wing but they're very rigid in their belief in fact some of them i'm pretty sure are worried about me and think i've become a heretic <laughs> but um <laughs> But they, um, yeah, they, 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 you know, very sort of, um, I wouldn't say anti the 12 steps, but they, they're like very worried when I tell, tell them about it or say, you know, uh, the 12 yeah. steps is like the message of salvation that, that God brings. And, and uh, they can't hear that, you know. So, so yeah, it's, um, so I am, I am still very much a Christian. I think just okay. the way I, yeah, the way I um, experience my spirituality is very different. You know, I think if you are living the 12 steps, um, you're, you're, um, uh, well, as a Christian, if you're living the 12 steps, you're probably 99% um, closer to God than most people. And even yeah. if you're not a, even if you're not a Christian, you know, um, living the 12 steps, you're probably more of a Christian than most Christians nowadays. Um, <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah, just yeah, just just because you know, and, and uh, yeah. Have you ever read the? The, the, the 12 steps for atheists. No, no, I haven't. There's it, it, actually 12 step groups for, 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 no for people who want recovery, but they, but they just can't face this higher power God concept. And there's 12 step yeah. groups for them. And the 12 steps read very strange. Even when I read it, I thought, okay, I don't think this will work for me. But Charles, yeah. I'm not going to keep you any longer. I know the children are sleeping and it's already quite late. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking this time and for be, being willing to do this. I thoroughly enjoyed 
this listening to your story and um and i want to wish you a very very good night's sleep and i shall let you know when we go live with this so that you can pick it up and spread it awesome thank you so much apruta and thanks so, for asking me i really enjoyed talking to you you're most welcome i love this and please give my regards to your lovely wife i'll do so and yeah, say hello to your, your husband as well sleep, sleep well they are yeah, thanks for the cheers eh okay guys bye, bye. I'm very happy to have heard Charles' story. It is awesome to meet a man deeply committed to what he believes in and being outspoken and even critical about it. He surely loves what he believes and that is what makes Charles such a beautiful human. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor on Twitter at at Freddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.